talk show with Zach and the Professor on the fan. Good afternoon and welcome to Friday, boys and girls. It is time for Leaving the Yard. Zach and Dodger Danny Williams in here on the Friday version of the show. Tony Kirk is marinating somewhere in the uh, north of the interstate community today. Yes. (laughs) Marinating with his best friend. Marinating. Marinated. Yeah. Let's just say he's useless for today for this presentation. I say that. He may be more useful than he normally is. But he's not here today. He'll be back on Monday. And uh, guest appearance again for Dodger Danny Williams. We're a couple of days late on your take on Vin Scully, but we'll certainly want to hear from that today. We've got uh, um, doings in the NFL. We had a Hall of Fame game going on yesterday. That's always uh, exciting stuff to watch. And... uh, the uh, the NFL preseason getting ready, getting to get ready. Going. yeah. High school football they'll start scrimmaging for real in what two weeks? Have an actual scrimmage with another team in two weeks, and uh, we're getting closer and closer. Three weeks away from the uh, opening of high school football. Getting ready to be the best time of the year. Yeah. I love baseball, but when you got that going on, but yeah, exactly. When you have football going on with baseball, it's it's excellent. There's Lots of sports being watched at the house. Preference. Now, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to load this up for you. High school football, college football, NFL football. In person or yeah. on TV? In person. In person, I would say college football first and okay. then high school football. All right. And then pro football. Yeah, it's kind of – it's – I mean, it's – NFL just, games are just not as much fun. No, they're not. I'd like to – I'd rather watch them on TV. Right. Uh, the atmosphere at high school is great, but you are limited with the number of people you have sure. there. At college games, it's exponentially bigger. It just jacks you even more. Yeah. So that's why I'd put it that way. But there's nothing like a Friday Night Lights. So, I mean, those are hard. That's one in 1A. One in 1A, college yep. one, high school 1A. Yep. All right. I can't argue with that, especially if you go to a place where, you know, they're insane about it. Yes. Baton Rouge, College Station. Yeah, if you're going to a school that, you know, has 3,500 people in the stands, it's 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 worse than a high school game, you know. But you go to a place like – Fayetteville or Baton Rouge yeah. or the Swamp or you know that they're insane about yeah. it oh then yeah there's nothing better yeah we'll go down the road here to uh um I mean uh, Henderson and uh and Washita who are right across the street from each other yeah. small schools right but that game but that game's huge and I mean even I've been to um Mule Riders game yeah at home right I mean they tailgate they do the yeah. whole thing I mean they don't have as many people as you know a big big school but they still do it right yeah Still great. All right. You, unfortunately, were not in here a couple of days ago when we lost Vin Scully. Maybe fortunately, because <laughs> as a Dodger fan from the crib, yes, you have a different perspective on it probably than folks around here, who if they weren't Dodger fans, still got Vin because you got TV bre- bre- you know, broadcasts of him, called the catch and all that right? Uh, from uh, Montana to Clark and other national Events, but you got to listen every day. Yes, every night before when I was going to bed, I'd listen to him. He put me to sleep. Every no, see, night. I don't like how you say that. But not in a bad way. Like I would listen, you know, and you know, growing up as a kid, you know, right. you just fall asleep, and it was always Devin Scully. Uh, you know, he 
it feels like a family member passed away. I mean, it's, it, I mean, not where you're at the point of crying tears and everything, but it's just sad because, you know, L.A. was very lucky to have oh, three great announcers between him and Chick Hearn and the Kings announcer. I mean, it's just they were they're legends. Um, and Vin was Vin was great. He, you know, Dodger fans are very racially divided. And we'll just put it that way on the different dynamics of who roots for the Dodgers. And I think he reached across all of them and I think he was a great bridge between going from radio to TV um, you know everybody talks about listening to the transistor radio while at the game yeah. but they simulcast him doing the first three innings on the radio and on TV and it was kind of that way of people getting to shift over to TV well I'm going to listen to Vin on the radio for the first three innings but then now I'm going to go watch it on TV because Vin's on TV and Rick Monday would pick up after him and finish the game and stuff but um, just an amazing man um, did so much for the community and did it for so long A, a lot of Major League Baseball teams the Rangers included have an Eric Nadell who does three innings and then he gets subbed for three innings and then he comes back for the last three innings. Right. There's a lot of teams that have done that. Did the Dodgers do that with Vin or was he one through nine? It was one through nine. He did one through nine. And even when he got older, you know, he nobody would ever ask him to get out of the booth. He would, he could have done that till the oh, day yeah. he died. You know, yeah. but he was he lost a couple steps here and there. He missed call something. Oh, that's a ball when it was a strike. You know, he he lost a step, but now he called the whole thing until he was done. Well, uh, and uh, the travel I think caught up with him too, didn't it? Yes. Did he, the, at the end, was he going he to road games? No, he wasn't. Yeah. He was staying on the West Coast. Right. He called the Giants games, the Padres games, and then all the home games. Right. And I was fortunate enough to take my son and my dad went with me to his second to last game where they did the whole we love you Vin the whole oh, thing yeah, it was geez. it was awesome it was awesome so um you know they keep playing the speech from the last time he did a Giants game okay. and it, and it it just solidifies it's almost like him saying goodbye it was him saying goodbye but and it's almost like again him saying goodbye again you listen to that again and i guess i didn't really pay that much attention to right. it when it happened but now that it's happened it's like ah you know you know his big line is i feel like i need you more than you needed me oh yeah and it's just so humble and the way that the way he was it was just it was great which you know, he started that in brooklyn yes when the dodgers were there following red barber following red barber I don't know if in New York where things were so uh, – I mean, Michael Kay is over-the-top hype. The, uh, the, the uh, Yankees win. Right. Uh, Yan- right. I don't know that Vin would have played as well later in New York. L.A. just seemed a lot more laid back, and that laid-back style that he had – seem to fit better with that fan base and that community and that lifestyle than maybe in New York. Oh, absolutely because you know it was very he was very not just centered on the Dodgers. He would have stories from every guy that came in. And so I would always I would catch myself sometimes be doing something in the house doing my homework and I would just be listening to his stories. I wouldn't even be t- paying attention to what the game was going on. He would be telling his stories. So, uh yeah, just a great storyteller. I think, you know, he came at the perfect time. I don't think oh. he comes you know would have made it you know nowadays it's just so different so um isn't that sad yeah yeah i mean i i i I said this to tony yesterday on the air and i mean i don't assume everybody listens the same every day but there's a guy on social media that made the comment of how 
He was monotone and boring. And I took exception and probably shouldn't have said the stuff I said back to him on social oh. media. But uh, I don't know that he would play today. Mm-mm. That's just it. I, I the Late in his career, the criticism from whomever the critics are of radio broadcast got after him for the long pauses after dramatic things happened. The Gibson home run and a long pause to allow people to absorb the crowd and the reaction of the home. He called the home run. Yeah. Then a long pause between the last word he said and coming back on. He did the same things after after the Kofax Perfect game. Yes. It was like 45, 48 seconds of letting the crowd, let the listener be involved from the crowd perspective. And then, well, people early appreciated it. Later in his career, later in his life, they were like, it's radio. You need to be talking. You don't need to be giving us a minute, minute and a half of dead air while we're hearing the crowd talk. You're supposed to be talking. That wasn't who he was. No, and I I understand that, but if you think about it, those were on TV. He's watching that like you are, appreciating the, you know, home run going, Gibson pumping his arm. You don't have – and Gibson pumps his – you don't need to have that call. No. You know, and then and, – and I think it's also he can think and give the line after he hits that home run that everybody remembers. Yeah. And it's just, no, you don't want dead air. You don't want dead air. But you also – there's got to be an appreciation because it's not radio anymore. You know, it's it's television. And like you and Tony talk about, Tony says, I'm the color guy. You know, I, I just – painted out there you know once it's on tv you have less to say you your tidbits matter more when you say them right but he only did the game he always did the game by himself that's why he was great because how many guys do the games by themselves anymore hardly any at all i can't think of too many that Me do either it. by the way i'm doing the first long view game by myself oh well because yeah. <laughs> my partner's not going to be there oh no i know right it, it is you're right though it's a dying art to do it by yourself yeah. and it's not easy Baseball in particular. Baseball's baseball's fine if you have a collection of memories to be able to go back to. Absolutely. Uh, Vin Scully, it's got an encyclopedic knowledge of all things, not just baseball, can fill that space without a problem. Guys that don't have that, it becomes painful pauses of dead air in between stuff, and not because it was a dramatic home run, but because it was a 2-2 pitch. Right. And now I got another 30 seconds till the guy throws another pitch. You know, when the few years in the end of Vin's career, they brought in guys like Charlie Steiner who would do the road games yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. But when they finally decided on Joe Davis as his replacement, it was very strange to listen to the home games of Vin Scully and then Joe Davis with a partner on the road. But, I mean, following a legend, Hall of Famer, yeah. you know, is super hard to do. But, you know, I I actually – like what he does. I mean, you know, he's... He they hired did, the right guy. They, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And when he called the All-Star game, and I know Joe Buck was the Fox guy, and now Joe Davis is. The All-Star game, they have these stories built in, and I was just sitting there listening to the All-Star game, and I'm like, Joe Davis has got it. Like, he's good, and he calls football, and he, and he calls baseball with a partner, but I think he could do it by himself. Yeah. He just is... He doesn't have that repertoire in his pocket like Vin had all the stories and everything else. And, and it, we're in the middle of the country. I'm sure in California, Joe Davis being hired... Oh, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. He was young. Yes. Really young. Yes. But, but the, the, what came out of it was 
yeah, he's not going to be a Vin Scully and work for however many years Vin did with one team. But if they can hold on to him for 20 years, now you've got that's huge. And if you're Joe Davis, you now have the main job with Fox and you're calling games in LA. Why you leave? Where, yep. What's better? What's better to call unless you want to do football and you know be the main guy on Monday Night Football or something like that? But if you're a baseball guy, you you have the prime and perfect call place to call. Yeah, and I don't know that guys are tied to Major League Baseball teams like they used to be. Like Eli Gold's not going to be able to call the opener for Alabama this year. The oh. old the old play by play broadcaster. He's got some health issues, and he had some during COVID, and so his streak of however many games in a row was broken a couple of years ago. But Eli Gold's been calling Bama games forever, football games. He's not going to be there for the opener. It feels more like guys who are doing the college football gig are in for life. Like they're there until they can't move anymore. Baseball guys now, it feels kind of like. There's another job someplace. It's a network job that's maybe the next thing up the road, or maybe I'm going to move to football from baseball. It doesn't feel like those are permanent jobs like they used to be when Vin was doing it, when when uh, Jack Buck, Jack Buck, when you know those guys were doing it. The guy up in uh, in uh, Detroit, uh, uh, Harwell, when they, they when they were doing it, it felt like that was their gig forever. It doesn't feel that way anymore. No, because, I mean, if I were to ask you, hey, you want to go on the road for 81 games and call 81 home games, or do you want to call one game a week? Depends how much you love your sport. Right, but these guys don't, you know, if if they're doing baseball, they're getting burnt out. They need a break from baseball. They That's go true. do football. That's a good point. And they, and they stay with football. I mean, Kirk Herbstreet, you know, didn't call baseball, but he, he did call some radio baseball when he was first starting. Right. Now he's taking on a secondary game a week, but – it's two games a week, right? Not seven or six or seven or five. You know, back and forth all the time, and it, it takes a toll. It's a it, long season. It's less travel as well. Way less travel because yeah. you're just traveling. You're you know those guys, the big name guys. You know they're flying home on their private jet right after the game, and they're there until three days before, and, and then they're there again. You know, I mean, you can have a life and not be a traveling type person. Yeah, I don't know if I could do the baseball travel. Uh, it's, 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 it's insane. It's, no joke. You imagine being even at the smaller level? Be a minor league guy calling those things. And you're not on the plane league. You're on the bus league. Yeah. And you're in some podunk places for three-game series and you know all across the country. Now, you're not traveling as far, but you're on a bus doing it. Not, uh, no, I don't know rough, about that. Rough. Yeah. Is an understatement. Yeah, and they're not paid very well. No, not at all. You're, but- you're doing that because you love it. You're like a minor league baseball player. Right, I'm trying right, to get with, my shot. The, with the hope with to the big get club. to the big club. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I don't know. Oh well, I'll just call one game a week. How about there you that? go. That's the best part. We're gonna take a break. It's about 15 minutes after five o'clock. Dodger Danny sitting in for Tony Kirk. I'm Chuck Zach. It's leaving the yard. Zach and then Professor here on the fan 107.9. Come back in just a minute. <laughs> All 
righty, welcome back. It's about 19 and a half after 5 o'clock. Chuck Zack, Dodger Danny Williams in here on Leaving the Yard. You're on the Friday version of the show. 903-735-9905. For the break or during the break, we were talking about uh, a notice you got on the phone for Clayton Kershaw back on the injured list. Yeah, warming up last night and he pulled himself off, so... Back problems. Um, been since it really all started when the Dodgers broke spring training and traveled to Australia uh, and played in a, the first three games during spring training that were actually that actually counted. And he hurt his back on the flight over there, uh, and he's had back problems ever since. And he's been on the DL or the IL uh, every year since, having to do something with his back, which is scary because once you have back problems, it's now how old it's is no Clayton? Bueno. Uh, 34, I think, 33, 34. First thing you said is, I'm afraid that's the end. Uh, yeah, after, just the way he looked last night. Now, after the game, he, you know, his post-game interview, he was opti- He looked optimistic, right. but it's just he's already been on the aisle for a pelvic uh, back situation, so it's not just his back. It's, it's his low back where it connects to his pelvis. It, doing all stuff, that rotating. Where he's doing all yeah. the rotating yeah. and all the torque and everything yeah. else. and. You know, I just I fear that you know one of the greatest pitchers, in my opinion, ever to pitch, especially one of the greatest left-handers ever pitch, maybe done. Better than Kofax? No, but well, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not better than Kofax. No, nah. We, we got to do this though. Y- your dogs' names are what? Kershaw and Kofax. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, Kofax. I would have loved to if his arm wouldn't have broken down as fast right. as it did. More years, but. The way he did it is no hitters is perfect game. Kershaw put a perfect game in there. It's it's one and one a for me. I mean it's you know Randy Johnson's lefty that was great as well. There's others, but you know being biased as a Dodger fan, I think you know you you can't have a conversation of Mount Rushmore with left-handed pitchers without those two. Kershaw's not to 200 wins. He's at 192. Yep. Hall of Fame. Oh. First ballot, no three-time Cy Young Award winner. He was uh, and an, and an MVP, MVP, and uh, he got a World Series ring. Okay. And you know, if the voters actually know about Kershaw, he carried that team for so long. I mean, everybody's knock on Kershaw can't get it done in the playoffs, can't get it done. Right. He was done by the time he got to the playoffs because right. he had to carry him every year. Right. Uh, so it was kind of nice in 2020 when he didn't have to be so tired and didn't have to carry him. Um, yeah, no, I think he's first ballot Hall of Famer without question. The the, I think it was twenty sixteen. Yes, I believe so. He gets the. Uh, is that the year he walks eleven? Yes, he walks eleven. I think his, through one hundred and fifty innings, he walked eleven. And I think he had like two hundred over two hundred yeah. strikeouts and sub two ERA. Yeah, I yeah, it was it was unreal. stupid year. Oh, stupid! Yeah, I never thought I would see an MVP Cy Young in the more modern era, like right. when I'm alive and. I don't know if we'll see it again. I mean, just I mean, somebody's going to have to have, be a freak show year again, and hope that somebody doesn't have an Aaron Judge year. Yeah, you know, if somebody if somebody comes up and has an amazing year with you, then they're just going to give you the Cy Young. The guy's going to have MVP, right. um, which I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, of pitchers getting the MVP anyway, because it feels like they've got the Cy Young. That is pitchers MVP. But when you're so dominant and there's no question. Not only are you the best pitcher, you're the best player. Yeah, his wins above replacement oh. that year was just absolutely insane. And right now they're still – I mean, they're at 73, 74 right now. Yeah. Which when you start looking at that number for, you know, as you said, carrying a team around for him, 
for for several of these years before they loaded this roster up to where right. it is now. Right. It was Kershaw and not a whole lot else. No, there was nobody else. And you know, I'm a I'm an old school guy in the fact that if if you're that dominant, you've carried that team and you stayed with one franchise for that long, that adds to it too. I really think it does. You're not jumping around trying to find a ring. You're staying with yeah. the team through the bad years. Yeah. Cuz he could have bounced at any point in time the Rangers when it was bad. were coveting. Oh, I know. Clayton Kershaw. And if the Rangers would have been two or three years closer, he probably would go. Really? He probably would have went because his home is his home's here. You know, it's on yeah, Dallas. You're pitching Park. in Dodger Stadium. But you're pitching in Dodger Stadium and you have a private jet and you can come back and You're living in Cali. You're living in Cali, yep. yeah. But you know, he's been really good about you know, he didn't do the Roger Clemens fly in for his game and then fly out. He's at every game sitting there on the bench rooting the guys on. Still that team guy. The Clemens reference is interesting because you know, Roger became such a diva by the end. It was a diva all along, but certainly by the end that it kind of diminished, which you talk about great left-handers. Clemens, if if not for all of the potential add-ins to his body, may have been one of the greatest right-handers of all time. Still is. Still is. If you're going to look at that era and you're going to say all the hitters were juiced and all the yeah. hitters were that, and okay, then he was making the playing field level for him. Yeah. I mean, I'm a firm believer again in, you know, let him in. Let the guys in. I, mean, oh, I wouldn't even do in that conversation. Yeah, just I know, the, but I'm just, I'm just, just, the, I'm just, just the fact he did the whole fly into his game. Oh, absolutely. Fly, uh, I, mean, I pitched, now I'm going And away. he held the trash rows to, you know, over a barrel of water every right. year, and he'd come in halfway <laughs> through the year and, you know, <laughs> demand, ex, you know, all this money, and it wasn't even prorated. Nope. It, was, it was insane. <laughs> <laughs> just insane. And and now, the, and, and uh, I know the Astros don't have a great following here, but – Justin Verlander, you're missing a you're missing a special season if you're not paying attention in Houston. I, wa- I watched it yesterday, and I've always been a Verlander fan. I, I've I've always been a guy that was, and, and I've used this, I've said this before in this show over 20 years that Verlander has the heaviest fastball I've ever seen. And I know it doesn't make any sense to say it, but if you if you watch baseball and you know it, it's it's a bat breaking fastball. It's a heavy fastball. I watched him a little bit last night again, and it's, what's he, 38, 39 years old? He's throwing harder this year. His average fastball velocity is harder this year than it was in every year of his career except for two or three. It's insane what he's doing. And he figured out, you know, Kershaw, you know, his fastball diminished, went bye-bye. But Verlander learned the spin rate of how to get that ball going. And I mean, he's just a freak. Anybody would want him on their team because he's just unreal. Breaking ball is unfair. Yep, it's unfair. He's yep. throwing 97, 98 miles an hour still. Right, and when you and he say- can throw a breaking ball that falls off the table, he was again last night. You watch guys just lock up and think that you can't hit this guy when no. he's on. You can't hit him. No, and when you're talking about heavy fastball, it's it seems like the pitch gets faster the closer he gets yeah. to you. That's the ref, and that was. You know, for baseball players, that's super hard. The late whatever it does, you know, the Zach Britton who has a bowling ball, you know, fastball that right. just drops down. I mean, that change. You know, some guys it's tapped out twenty feet away from them. Right. Verlander's is, ex- is still excel, which is insane. I mean, it's 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 like you said, you know, it's on him and it just keeps going. He's got two forty. Can he get to three? Is he going to hang around long enough to get to three hundred wins? Because at, at, at where he is right now, and at 38, 39 years old, 
He's gonna. He's got 15 wins this season. I don't know that he can't get 15, 18 wins for three or four more years. I think he can, especially because he just got that arm redone. Yeah. Um, so if that arm holds up, like as far as I mean, Tommy John's inevitable with most pitchers, but if that that fix stays. I mean, when you think about it, Kershaw, uh, we're just going back to that because we brought him up, was throwing 98 that way, but he diminished down to you know, 89, 91. Right. Verlander's still throwing. You're not going to diminish 10 miles an hour off your fastball in two years. I think he's Not got, the way he's no, throwing. I think you have three or four years left as long as he doesn't have the Tommy John, have to have Tommy John again. See, three gets me having to win 20 games a year, which is a pretty big ask. Astros are really good right now still. But he's not on a long-term contract. He's not on a long-term contract. And if he goes someplace else and goes after money, he may end up in a place they're not going to win as much, and he's not going to get anywhere. I wonder if he's pitching for 300 right now. I, I, I would say it's not about the money anymore. He's winning at life oh, yeah. in every <laughs> facet of his yeah. life. Okay, So it's not about the money. He, you know, he, I, th- I mean, we've had this conversation before. There's not going to be another 300-game winner. Well, he he, he could might do it if that's what he wants to do, but you know, again, sometimes guys go, "I'm done, I'm good." Two seventies fine, but I cashed in when you're getting close. But he, we mentioned Kershaw is obviously a Hall of Famer. So is Verlander. Oh, absolutely. So if you've got that, I've got my rings. I've got Kate. Yeah, I've got a Hall of Fame locked up. Right. I may not get to 300 wins. But so what? I get to 270. I had a good career. I'm in the Hall of Fame. Everything. I got some rings to show for it. It's a great life. Do I just keep going out there just to try to get to that number? Because the potential is the diminishment that does start now leaves people with the impression of the Justin Verlander who wasn't throwing like he is in 2022, but the guy who's dragging up there in 2024 and now you look at him going, God, he should have retired two years ago. You know, is he the Tom Brady guy where, you know, he can he sees his own fate where he wants to keep going until it still hasn't diminished. Brady's diminished some, but he's still one of the top ten best quarterbacks in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, but is he like you just referenced, Tom Glavin, who went to the Mets, you know, his mm. arch rival and just held on to get his 300 win? I right. mean, it was like – Weeks to get that last win. No, it, was, it was painful. And I don't know. I mean, it, that depends on the guy. I mean, it, when you're that good, can you walk away? Can you walk away? Because, like, I know a couple guys who are pitching in the big leagues, and they're like, man, I've made my money. You know, I, the idea is going to be walk away. Well, yeah, but if you still got, if you still have that passion for the game yeah. and you're still playing well, and as a pitcher you're making $10 million a season at the minimum, yeah. you know, I mean, he, you're talking 20 30 with him, but you're making $10 million uh, that's a lot of money, and as long as how much money do you need? Yeah, it's it's generational money though. Generational <laughs> okay, how money. many generations of money do you need? I, I get it. I mean, uh, it's, it's the same argument with you know in anything, but I mean at that point, you know, I had a conversation with somebody today, and it's like, well, I don't need to make the money every year. You know, I'm just banking for my retirement. Well, he doesn't need to make the money, but he still has that passion right. for the game. You got to keep going. I mean, because you know, part of me died when I stopped playing. Yeah, you know, and so you don't want to. You ever... stopped prematurely. You weren't. You weren't ready. I wasn't to stop. ready. Exactly. And That's, if he's, he's not thirty nine, right? But 
Brady's still Brady's uh, how old, uh, and he's and he still has the passion for it. You know, it's you know until the game is if the game's still fun and you're still doing your thing, why leave? So you say he's hanging on for three hundred. I mean, if I mean, I don't know if that's his like. goal. That's what it sounds it, like. It seems like it. Yeah, it Unle- seems. Unle- and of course, we say all that, and you're one pitch away one from pitch. saying I'm done. Absolutely, one pitch. You're yeah. done. absolutely. There's a conversation today. Yep. Kershaw Verlander. We're watching two all-time greats. Absolutely. I, I don't know if we're, we're getting it. We're watching two all-time greats. Yep. Sad to say, one's a trash row. One's a what? Trash row. What's a trash row? Oh, an astro. A trash row. Oh, my God. You're never going to let that go, are Absolutely you? Absolutely Never. Never. Wow. Mr. Bitterman. <laughs> it's 28 minutes till 6 o'clock. Leaving the yard. Chuck Zach, Dodger Danny Williams. Got some football talk coming up after the break. All right, welcome back. 24 minutes till 6 o'clock. Chuck Zach, Dodger Danny Williams sitting in this afternoon for Tony Kirk here on Leaving the Yard. Uh, the uh, the NFL preseason opener last night, the uh, Hall of Fame extravaganza, which nobody of any importance played. I don't think. I don't watch any of it. I don't watch preseason. I rarely will watch anything except for one week worth of preseason football in the NFL. Yeah, I forgot it was on, and then there was a delay, which never <laughs> happened in the preseason. No. And then it was the second quarter, and I watched like one series and was like, eh, that's enough. But yeah. I was listening to somebody else today, and they said three things that should never happen in preseason. A weather delay. Yep. Um, overtime. Yeah, Which didn't, which which didn't, didn't happen, happen last night, but, thankfully. Or challenges, at least in the first week, because, I mean, it just adds time, and I know coaches want to practice, and the referees want to practice, but Man, it, it just drags out that game. Can't um, do it's it. just insane. Can't so, do it. Yeah, it was no nobody like you said. Nobody important played. I I saw a clip of you know the Raiders owner eat, you know knocking back some chicken wings, and that was like the <laughs> highlight of the night. So it was just crazy. Well, and and you know Jacksonville, and we think Las Vegas is probably going to be pretty good. We right. don't know if they're good enough to get in the playoffs. It's a tough These, division. Tough division. They may be the fourth team in in a Kansas City Denver. Chargers division, they may be fourth. Um, but Hall of Fame games usually about we want at least one of these teams to have a Hall of Famer that's getting inducted into the Hall. So we know we got a pretty good crowd for somebody's induction speech this week. This week, Antonio Baselli from the Jaguars is that guy Absolutely. this week, um, tomorrow. So there's that. I, I give him that. But it's bad football. Yeah, it's bad. But you know. Everybody else has only been on the practice field for a few days. Some of them just started wearing helmets. Right. And, and, and full pads, rather, today or yesterday. So to ask a team to go out there and put on the show, two, two teams, put on the show when we all know they're not even close to being ready. It is what it is. Yeah, but it just the Hall of Fame game marks the, hey, here comes preseason. That's it. It's just the ball starting yeah. to roll of football, which, yeah. is, which is great. Exciting. San Francisco today had a pretty good fight. In fact, a couple of them. Yep. And they uh, ended up stopping practice after uh, two of the larger-named 49ers 
got into a pretty good scuffle. Brandon Ayuk on the offensive side, and uh, I can't remember who the linebacker was on the defensive. I have to think about it for a minute. But to it pretty good. And uh, Coach Shanahan was like, we're trying to push the line, and we're trying to push each other to be better, but that's not it. We're not trying to – We don't. I don't want you blacking – he said it. I don't want you blacking out – you're so mad that you're ready to start throwing punches because now you're out of a game and we got a penalty because you were an idiot. We're early in practice. It's hot outside. Guys are – some are fighting for jobs. Absolutely. These two guys are not. These two guys are stars that have their spots, but they went at it today. And we're not even in the doldrums of – No, you know, not yet. Where it's we're like a so monotonous, yeah. you know. Um, you know, but it's it, they're not the only one. I read a story about the Saints' new offensive lineman, Henning. who yeah, who came out of Northern Iowa. You know, um, Quan Hampton's uh, was there, yeah, and uh, is yeah. is there, and um, you know, he was he's nasty. That's what he's known for. But yeah. three days in a row, he's got kicked out of practice. Yeah, it's that line of you want to release the lunatic out there to go crazy and you know chop somebody's head off to reeling that in and going it's your own teammates it's practice it's not getting a penalty and not getting thrown out of the game not killing a drive you got to have some restraint but it's a fine line fine line um i'm actually i don't like two veteran players fighting like they were in san francisco today they both are old enough to know better they both know important, how important they are to their teams. They're making the and, roster. And some, yeah, they're there. And, so, and either one of them getting hurt is a huge hit to the 49ers' chances to maybe get back deep into the playoffs. Sure. I'm okay with a rookie offensive lineman. And I know his first-round draft choice. He's not a late guy. He's, no. a, he's an early guy who's big and important to them. And pegged to be a starter, too. But who has never played in the NFL before. Right. And I'm okay with him being uber-aggressive, even if that's for no other reason than the reputation's getting out there and other guys in the league are seeing it like, that son of a gun's mean or he's cra-. Whatever it is, a little edge that you get. Now, granted, you, you made a perfect reference – Referees read clippings too, and referees talk as well. And if they know that Penning's a hothead and he'll take late cheap shots or whatever, and I'm not saying he did in practice, I'm just saying if that rep gets out there, well, now they're eyeballing him extra closely, and he's going to feel targeted, which means he's going to get pissed even faster, which means if you're a defensive guy who is a veteran – I'm doing everything I can to get him to swing at me in front of a referee. And you know that probably happened in in camp too that the you know he might have put a veteran or or whoever he knocked down, you know, but it's you got to have a an offensive lineman, a veteran being able to go, "Look, we get it. You're the guy. You're the crazy guy." Not 3 days in a row. Like you can't do it 3 days in a row. Sure you can. You can, but again, what are you, you going to do to me? I'm a rookie, a first round draft choice. You're not benching me. You want to find me? Go ahead. You just gave me millions. Find me. I'm not going to get pushed around in practice. I, I hear you, but you also have to be a professional. And He's part not of it, yet. Okay. But <laughs> part of it being as being a professional is, you know, you're 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 not going to stay with this whole career more than likely. You know, you don't want to have the reputation of being a psycho and then the Saints eventually, you know, and I know he'll mature and become a veteran and the whole thing will happen. But 
I don't know, three days in a row is what bugged me. Who was the guy that just, gosh, his name's escaping me, just retired here a couple of weeks ago. Older offensive lineman that was bounced all over the league. He was in Buffalo. He was in the Raiders. He may have been with the Rams for a minute. Who was that guy? Mm. Crazy. Bad reputation. Uh, incognito? Yes. Oh, yeah. Richie Incognito. Oh, but he was crazy. He, uh, beyond crazy. Yeah. I mean, he, he literally had some mental issues yes. with, with the law. And he crazy. was ba- uh, horrible. And in the and I think it, his last team was the Raiders, yeah. I think. And they took a lot of heat for what yes. he did in his past. Yes, he's terrible. He's a bad guy. But if you're How big and you can play, oh, I, I get it. He's almost 40 years old, I think, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I don't – I mean – there's and have, he's mean. There's having a reputation of being mean, and then there's having a reputation of being Richie Incognito, and you don't want that. And I think if you keep, you know, putting, you say that, but an NFL team paid him all the way until he couldn't hardly walk anymore. True. So as much true. as you say, ah, you don't want that reputation. No, you don't. But NFL teams want you on their team. And I think there's a different case of being nasty on the field and not being racial and not being oh, no, he's with crazy. the law. And yeah. he was that. Now, I'm not saying Benning is because, you know, he's he's new, you know. But, you know, you do it on the field is a lot different than doing it in society and on social media and everything else. But, but is it? I think so. See, we, Tony and I have this conversation all the time, especially about defensive guys. And I think offensive linemen are basically right along the same sure. ilk Absolutely. as defensive guys. You want them to be nasty. You want them to be antisocial. You want them to be, you know, mad dogs. You Whatever you want, whatever term you want to use, you want them to be the guy that broaches right to the edge of where society's comfortable. And for some, even go past that line because – this is a game about physicality and intimidation, and if I can be that, I get an edge. I'll agree with you in the point that you want them to be nasty, but there's a point where teams will walk away, and then you know you always have the Cowboys who will sign them. But <laughs> I mean, it's just you know you gotta. I mean, I well, don't know. Look at Vontez, uh, perfect. Yeah, that many, guy. Yeah, same thing. But had a career. Uh, yeah, and his career was based his on career, that reputation. But his career could have been a heck of a lot better if he didn't take some of the cheap shots he took. Yes. And Could I mean, have been. I mean, there's being cheap, there's being crazy outside of the actual confines of that gridiron that's different. Crazy's crazy. Yeah, but there's different levels of crazy. <laughs> and you don't want to get into that. <laughs> and the, weir- echelon of and crazy. the weird part is they'll pay you. Absolutely. As long as you can hit do, hard, do run fast, do your Absolutely. thing. We'll, you know, turn a blind eye to crazy. At least partially. We'll take a break. It's 46 after 5 o'clock. Last segment coming up next. You're on Leaving the Yard. Chuck Zach, Dodger Danny Williams, as we come at you in just a minute. You're on Leaving the Yard on the fan 1079. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When hurricane winds are gusting? When floodwaters reach your door? Or a blizzard blocks all the roads? Or is the best time perhaps today? During a disaster, 
you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. And it's not always as simple as using your cell phone. That's why now is the time to take action. Go to nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311 and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. Till six o'clock. Leaving the yard as we uh, wrap up the Friday version of the show today. Uh, Deshaun Watson got his six-game six suspension a couple of days ago. The NFL yesterday has uh, assigned a uh, former Attorney General to relook at the case because the NFL is appealing. They want at least a full year suspension. I don't think they get it now. I don't think they get a full year. Why not? Because of the first ruling of six. I think that'll if he'll come somewhere between a full season and six. If you go, t- let's say ten. Yep. Let's say you go ten. Is that as good as a full season? And the reason I say that is because it knocks him the, out. The of- Browns have very little quarterback options right now, and if he's out for ten, and you get him back for seven, you're not going to go seven and zero. Oh, you would think. Does it just wipe out the season anyway, even if he got to play? Because he's getting his money either way. But right. you took the Browns completely out of the playoffs with 10. Yeah, I think no matter what would have happened, the NFL was going to appeal. Even it, it, I guess if they would have got the full season, they probably wouldn't have. Well, you know what they wanted. Mm-mm. They didn't want just a full season. They wanted indefinite. And they got yeah. to come back and pick when he was good to go. Oh, yeah, so I think it's also PR, too. After fumbling a lot of these situations – I think it's a good PR move to say, we're going to appeal this. We want him punished to the full extent he can be punished to. Uh, so, you know, I think they were embarrassed that it was only six. Uh, I think they were hoping for the minimum, like, of, you know, a full season. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. And, it, and it's just crazy, and I know it's put in the CBA, but, you know, they agreed upon the first person, that the the judge or whoever it was that ruled on it first – and Goodell can't over go over the top of them, but they can still appeal. I mean, right. I think it's just if you agree on one person, it just needs to be that. And um, of course, you know they couldn't get that in the CBA. They would have. I, you know, the players definitely would have got that. Let it go. First one, no appeal. It is what it is. You know, because I don't know if Watson and I'm not taking his side or defending him at all. But can he appeal? You know, for himself after this ruling. You know, and yeah, so, I so and I don't think so. And. And I'm not saying it's a, you know, what was the player or anything like that, but still it's it's just weird how the dynamic is. If I'm Deshaun and they give me a year, why would I appeal anyway? I'm saving my body for a year and they're paying me. Yeah, no, I mean. I mean, the, the money the Browns are giving them is guaranteed. Yeah, all of it's guaranteed. But, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you're out of football shape for a year, now two. Yeah. That's, that's rough. If you're the judge, how many years would you have given them? Or how many games, rather? Excuse me, not years. How many games would you have given him for a suspension? That's tough. It's I don't know all the ins and outs of the case. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you know, and do you feel six is enough? 
When that came down, was your reaction? Wow, my reaction was wow. Wow, as in I thought he'd got would get more. Okay, so um, and then reading a little bit about the case and how the female judge described it, uh, and saying there was no precedent for it, right, was shocking to me. Uh, the way it came down, uh, especially in the era that we're in yeah. now. Um, so I don't know what I would give him, but I would definitely say that I was taken aback that it was only six. Okay. I figured at the minimum it would be half a season. Right. Eight, eight, eight games. Eight, eight would mean, have been fair. You can't do half, yeah. but eight, yeah. But six was like, whoa. So eh, it's it's interesting. So, If I'm the Cleveland Browns, I wish this would go away. I wish the NFL would have left it alone at six games so we can move on with life. You've got a fan base now that is – and it's it's always unfair to the fans. I mean, at the end of the day, they're plunking down money. They're supporting a team. They're buying paraphernalia. Sure. And they're still in limbo. And if any any <laughs> fan base ever has known about being in limbo, it's the Browns fans. Absolutely. And so here they sit, still not knowing, are we going to have any chance in the season at all? Or literally, are we having to hobble together some kind of quarterback situation that we can make work if Deshaun's gone for the season? I think there's an easy fix if he's gone for the season. Which is? Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G comes plug and play. Now, I know he's not a, the greatest quarterback ever, but... Nobody's a veteran NFL He's a veteran player. NFL quarterback, yeah. and with the defense you have and the weapons that the Browns have, they got a decent shot of making the playoffs, I think, if they're, you know, if, if Jimmy G's there. Yeah. And I think Jimmy G knows that, and I think Jimmy G's hoping for a longer suspension for Watson. Now, is he still locked into the 49ers camp? Is Garoppolo still a 49er right now? Yeah, he's still a 49er. Okay. They told him he could go out and seek a trade because they sure. were going with Trey Lance. Right. But, um, well, I hate to go into a season not having a quarterback. I'm not real. I mean, I know they like Trey Lance, but I don't know that I'm sold on him yet. You're going. To, you're taking an NF an NFC championship caliber team and saying I'm giving it to this guy and seeing what happens. Yep, but they traded up for him. I know. And oh, I get and, it. And Lynch is, you know, everybody loves Lynch. And I get it. everybody loves their coach. And so it's, I mean, I think you have to do it for the team. You have to do it. I mean, and Jimmy G can, would Trey Lance adds the dynamic of running, right? Which is huge. Right. And Jimmy G with the run attack that that offense is, he what didn't need to throw it deep down. No. down the field he was a 12 yards at the most quarterback if Trey Lance is an eight yard at the most and you had his legs are you losing that much and Trey Lance has got a hose too but is he accurate enough deep so who knows he hasn't we'll been see. in there and played I nope, always right. I always get in there of course I say that and you know Kansas City made the move and said you know I think Mahomes can do it and we can get rid of Alex Smith and we can keep going with examples sure. where quarterbacks says sure. you know Rogers moved in when Favre moved right. on, and Absolutely. that's fine. Uh, just it it's, doesn't Every, it doesn't feel like Trey Lance is ready yet. Everybody's afraid of being in quarterback purgatory. Oh no, you kidding. don't want to be there. No kidding. So. You don't have that. You don't have a chance. Not at all. You're, that's a great point. Nobody wants to be there. And right now, Browns fans are. Oh, absolutely. They're in complete the worst quarterback purgatory. They yeah. got no idea. None. And been there for a long time anyways. And the Bengals have Joe Burrow. Yeah. Which makes it even worse for them. Way worse. All right, we're done. Hey, it was good seeing you. Yeah. Glad to be back. Do it again. Sure. We'll get Tony back in on Monday. And he will have a Kirk and Company Monday morning. That probably means Kevin Carpenter's going to hop back in here. 
get ready for that 7 o'clock Monday morning. Otherwise, have a great weekend. We'll be back and see you 5 o'clock Monday afternoon right here. I'm leaving the yard. Zach and the Professor on the fan, 1079.